So, you know, life is filled with um, emotions. We have all kinds of emotions going on in our lives. And we all have this emotion that has no limits. It has no boundaries. It doesn't care what your gender is. This emotion doesn't care what your social status is. It doesn't care if you're white, if you're black, if you're Latino, or if you're Asian. This, this emotion will make grown men cry like babies, and it will take and turn rational human beings into illogical, crazy humanoids. And it has nothing to do with zombies. And that's because zombies, Sasquatch, the abominable snowman, and the perfect man are all figments of our imagination. They don't exist. They're not around. So if you think they are, I hate to bust your bubble, but there are no zombies and there are no perfect men. Sorry, honey. So, but this emotion that I'm talking about is one that will paralyze us. It, it will become our ugly taskmaster. It will imprison us and keep us from really knowing who Jesus is. And this emotion, it is called fear. Fear. Fear keeps people from knowing and experiencing the wonder of God's majestic name. Fear keeps us from knowing honest relationships. It will create an overactive imagination. Fear is a liar, a manipulator. It will mess your life up. It will cheat you from encountering Christ. Fear will bring temptation into your life. And ultimately, fear will bring you to sin. That's what fear does. Fear also is here's what it will do in your life. It will produce anxiety. It will create destructive behavior and habits. Fear is a thief and will steal your peace and contentment. It will create doubt in your mind and it will call you away from God. Fear will also create chaos and indecisiveness. It will make people fearful of failure which means that we'll stop taking risks. And when we stop taking risks and being risk takers, there will be a loss of opportunities that we will have. We also develop a fear of our past. We don't want people to know who we were or what happened in our past. And so we do everything we can to hide our past. We have a fear of what's going on presently in our lives because with, if people really knew who I was and what was going on in my life, they would readily not want to accept me. And worst of all, they probably wouldn't want to worship with me. We also have a fear of the future. Because the future is unknown. We don't know what it holds. And so it creates a fear in us because we just don't know what's going to happen. And so how do we plan for anything? And so we get all confused and we get all hyped up. And fear is, is the, creates a false future for us. And God's given us a sheer thing. The big thing is, is whatever fear is controlling your life, you are a slave to that fear. Now, there are real phobias. People have real phobias. And we may not understand the phobia somebody has, but they're real. Some people may have claustrophobia, a fear of small or confined places. There are other people who are arachnophobiacs. Arachnophobiacs. They have a fear of spiders. By the way, did you know that 
40% more women have a fear of spiders than men? Whoop-de-doo, right? All right. Now here, if you put these next three phobias together, you're in a mess because here's what they are. Ecclesiophobia, which is the fear of church. Hagiophobia, which is the fear, dislike, or hatred of holiness or holy things. And allodoxiophobia, which is the fear of opinions. So you combine all those three together, and here's what the phobia looks like. You're afraid to go to church because God's opinion about holiness is going to be brought to the foreground, and it's just going to drive you crazy. And by the way, if you have all three of those phobias, it's almost impossible for you to have an encounter with Christ. Now, the the truth is that we all probably have something that we fear. There is an area in our life that causes a certain amount of discomfort, worry, and anxiety. And it's a real problem for us because as we seek to live our lives more depend, in a more dependent posture with God, our fear was going to tell us that God can't do the job and we need to do the job for God. And so we move, instead of moving Closer and being more dependent upon God, we move further away from God and become less dependent upon God and more dependent upon ourselves to cope with our own fears. And the problem is, is that it makes a mess of our life. We have this whole thing going on and we just don't know what to do. What happens is that we, we fall out of community and out of relationship with God. It's not like God left us We've made the decision that God can't handle our fears and deal with them the way they need to be dealt with. And so what we do is we take them and we handle them ourselves. And that puts, puts a wedge between us and God because we are no longer close in fellowship with God. And then the next thing that happens is, is because we've got that wedge with God, spiritually speaking, we start to put ourselves into a place of what would be called an oasis. We start to feel dry spiritually. We start to feel distant. We feel like, like God's not close like he once used to be. And then what happens is, is that we step out of community with one another. We're no longer connected with brothers and sisters in Christ. We're outside of community. And the whole thing with this fear makes a whole mess of our lives. And all of a sudden, it all comes crashing in on us. And we're wondering, how did we ever end up in this place? And what is it going to take for us to reconnect with God? What does the Bible have to say about fear? What does the Bible have to teach us about how to handle our fear? What are the instructions for us? Well, the first place that is always good to turn and take a look at is Proverbs because Proverbs are little teachings in life, simple little things that are, are brought to us. They're words of wisdom for us to learn and to um, practice and put into our lives. And so the first place that we want to go to is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many of you probably already know this one. This is a great one. This is a verse that you should write down, keep close to your heart. Uh, you should memorize it. You should know it well. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight or straighten your paths. Now, you know, the really great thing about this is I want us to notice is that it's a call to trust God with all of your heart. That includes your intellect, that includes your will, and that includes your feelings. 
But what I think happens a lot of times is our feelings, they kind of get left out of the mix. We, we, want to, we want to engage God with our mind and with our intellect. We want to study the Word. We want to know what it has to say to us. We want to understand how it applies to our life. We want to take the steps of being obedient. That's our will, is we willfully step into obedience with God. But a lot of times what I think happens is our emotions kind of get left on the sideline and we don't bring them along with us. The problem of not making our emotions come along with us is that at times we turn our back on our emotions and they sneak in and they'll take over. When your emotions start to lead you rather than you leading your emotions you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. You're going to find your life messed up from top to bottom, from front to back. Because your emotions, even though God gave them to you, He never asked you to let your emotions lead the way. And so when it comes to trusting God with all of our heart, what He's asking us to do is to engage our emotions into this whole process so that we're submitting our will, our uh, intellect, and our emotions to God so that we have a better understanding of what's going on. God will direct our paths if we ask him to. And so what it kind of looks like is we need to get Jesus involved in the process when we're struggling with our fears. Because what we say is, Jesus, right now, my fears are leading and directing my path, and it's causing all kinds of problems in, the, in my life. Right now, Jesus, I'm asking you to direct my path with clarity so that I can live in your peace, because that's what that verse promises us, is that we'll know peace when we step into God's, um, in, in, into trusting God with all the things of our life. Now, the Apostle Paul knew that we were going to struggle with this. God knew that we were going to struggle with fear and anxiety. None of this stuff caught him by surprise or off guard. It's not like all of a sudden people started having anxiety issues and were fearful and they didn't know what to do. God's going like, okay, I got this. I got this. You got to trust me. I can handle this. I can handle this way better than you can. And so what he did is, through the Holy Spirit, he gave the Apostle Paul some really great things to help us with in dealing with our anxious thoughts. How do you deal with anxious thoughts? Well, he told the church in Philippi this. He said, let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Here it is. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, and the peace of God, and the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you right now, the place where fear originates is in your heart or in your mind. And Jesus is the guard on your heart and on your mind. And that's what he's calling us to do. He's telling us to, to not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and by petition and by request and by coming with a plea or an application with a heart filled with thanksgiving. I mean, it's coming and going, God, I know you've got this. I'm thankful that you're in my life. But here's the thing that's kind of eating my lunch right now. 
and you express that. You lay it out before God. Now, a lot of times people think that these kind of verses make us selfish because it almost sounds like a self-centered verse. I'm just, you know, I'm going to pray for myself. Isn't that kind of selfish, though? Well, listen. Who's going to pray for you if you're not going to pray for you? You know you better than you. anybody else knows you except Jesus. So the stuff that's on your heart, the stuff that's, that's got you all twisted up, the anxiety, the angst that's going on in your life, you know what it is. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't be anxious. Bring that stuff here. Everything. Bring it all. And lay it down at the foot. And, and, and here's the great thing about this, is that when we do that, God is going to sweep in, he's going to come, and he is going to give us his peace. And and that peace passes all understanding. I'm telling you right now, if you have the peace of the Holy Spirit of, of Christ in your life, and you go in, and there's a lot of bad things that could be happening in your life, and you're operating in that peace, nobody has a clear understanding, how come you're so peaceful in it? They're like, well, it just doesn't make sense. What are you doing? How do you do that? And you go like, well, it's just simply trusting God. Well, how do you trust God? Well, you know, it's just like, well, you trust God. And they're going like, uh, you know. And so it surpasses the understanding of people. And it guards our hearts. And what it does is it, it produces a deeper level of love in our hearts for God. And it, it brings to us a tranquil heart. You know what it's like when you've got fear that's overriding your life, whether it's on a health issue, whether it's on a relational issue, whether it's on finances. I mean, you name it. We have fear about it that can rule our lives. And when the peace of God comes, it's like, boom, everything inside that's been in turmoil and twisted all of a sudden just goes, Ooh. Total peace. You're no longer eating uh, Tums like candy. You feel this certain amount of peace. Your mind has come under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit and of God. And everything starts to make sense. The clouds, the fog starts to peel away and you can see and you have an understanding, and there's a peace. Now listen, I know that there are a lot of people who've gone to their doctors, and their doctors have them on medication for anxiety, for depression, for all kinds of issues like that, and I want you to hear me really clearly on this. I am not a doctor. I am not your doctor. I am not telling you to get off your meds and go, you know, and say, I'm going to trust the people. Listen, Jesus has been using doctors and medication to bring relief and to bring peace and to help people to cope, and it's okay. So hear me. Trust Jesus to guard your heart and your mind, but don't get off your meds. That's stupid. Was it clear on that? Just want to make sure. I don't want somebody to go, you know, get off their meds and go, well, Pastor Ken kind of said that we could do that. Yeah, yeah. I may have forgotten my meds this morning, too. I'm just, just kidding. I took them. <laughs> okay. 
you know, Paul kind of gave us this idea about that. But Jesus also, it's just not Paul that's going like, hey, you know, here's how you deal with anxious moments. Jesus also had something to say about that in Matthew 6. Jesus said, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And then the but comes in, right? The big but. Here it comes. The big but is, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. They'll be provided. You see, what happens though is we get anxious about these things because all of a sudden what's going on in our life is we're we're purchasing more stuff, we're gaining more stuff, we're doing more stuff, and what we do is we create um, a cauldron that filled with just high-level activity where there's no rest for our minds, there's no rest for our bodies, there's no rest for our souls, and we create this mix, and all of a sudden, we've got so much that we've got, we've got so much going on, that we've lost the concept of being a a kingdom seeker, seeking God's kingdom first. It's a principle that he brings to us to seek God's kingdom rather than all this other stuff. And I think sometimes maybe the reason that we go, I'm going to go get this stuff over here, but you don't ever inquire of God whether that's actually a good thing. You just go and do it anyway because you already know what the answer would be from God if you bought that junk. He's going to go like, what do you need that for? That's just more stuff. And all you're going to do is it's going to get you all whirled up. You're going to get anxious about it because you're not using it. And then you just go nuts. But if you were to seek God's kingdom first and say, God, what would you have me to do? This is a desire of my heart. And God doesn't say, he's not a killjoy. He's not going like, hey, no, you can't have another fly rod. When I hear that, that's my wife, not Jesus speaking. (laughs) So I'm still in the clear a little bit because I might be able to get one. Okay, But nonetheless, Jesus isn't a killjoy. He created stuff for us to enjoy, to use. But it's for his glory, for his honor, for his namesake. And so I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to go out and buy a bunch of junk, you need to be saying, how can I use this? that I'm going to get, how can I use this for the kingdom of God? How can I be a kingdom builder with the stuff that God's providing for me in my life? If you can't be a kingdom builder with it, if it's just for your own selfish needs, we're going to have a garage sale here in the spring. Bring all that stuff down here. We'll sell it, and then we'll give all the money to missions. Amen? Amen. Yeah, right. You say that now. Wait till the spring. Uh, This is recorded. I think I'll pull this one back up and remind you of it. All right. So the other thing about about anxiety and anxiousness and future thoughts and kingdom building and all the rest of that is that we can get our minds so twisted up, imagination takes over. I mean, okay, so when you hear the word Cancer, what do you think? Bad, right? Most of us go like, especially if you're the one receiving the news, your doctor says, hey, I've got to tell you something, you've got cancer. 
the first thing we think is, I'm going to die. And fear sets in. Do you know that Jesus has something to say about that? God has something to say about that in the Bible? It's actually from the most famous of all the Psalms that was written. Psalm 23, verse 4. And this is what it says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, fear, I will fear no evil. For, your, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you think it's your time to walk down that valley with the shadow of death hanging over you, fear no evil. God's with you. I mean, by the way, listen. You leave this place here and you're going to go to heaven. What's the downside? It might be the journey. Nobody looks forward. We're, we're looking forward to the destination. It just may be the journey that God takes us on that we're not so much looking forward to. But I will tell you this. I promise you this. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, you go on that journey with God. He will be glorified. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. Because it's not. Do you know why we... Okay, little rabbit trail. Short one. Promise you. Short rabbit trail. The reason why we fight death is because God never created man to die. The original design of Adam was not that he was going to die. God created him to live forever in perfect harmony with him. And so when sin came in, because sin brings death, now we're fighting against sin and we are, we are saying, that's not how you created me. You did not create me to die. You created me to live. And so now we have this battle going on. That's why we don't want to die. We want to live forever. God put eternity in our hearts. Rabbit trail's done. All right. So when we get on the spiritual journey, we must never forget our foundational fear of the Lord. That's where it all begins. You know, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord is what tells us in Psalms and in Proverbs. Our reverence for God our recognition of our dependence on Him. This is proper perspective, and it should lead to the appreciation and praise and a deeper love of God who has given us everything we have or ever will receive. He loves us so much that He even gave His Son to die in our place so we don't have to taste eternal death. Now, we're going to step into 1 John chapter 4. Some of you are going like, what? You're talking about 1 John still? Yes. And it's only halfway through my message, so that was, well, let's just call that the introduction. 1 John 4, 17 and 18. By this love perfected with us, so that, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because He is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not 
man perfected in love. This is a great verse for you to hang on to. This is talking about the love that God has for you. Is that you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be fearful because God's love is going to cast that out. When we go to God with our fears, we can seek to give more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We can grow in faith in His ability to defeat anything that threatens us. We can find comfort and security in His loving care. The fear that perfect love casts out of this fear is, is the fear of God's judgment. That's what it's primarily talking about is God's judgment. We know the judgment day is coming. But those who are Christ followers know the love of God which drives away the fear of condemnation. The dismissal of fear of judgment is one of the main functions of God's love. The person without Christ is under judgment and has plenty to fear. But once a person is in Christ, the fear of judgment is gone. He is reconciled to God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Part of understanding the love of God is knowing that God's judgment fell on Jesus at the cross so that we can be spared, so that we can have life, eternal life. It says, in Isaiah, it says that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross appeased God's righteous justice, the one that he required, and he has won God's favor for us forever. Jesus spoke often of his mission, that God did not send him into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's what drives out the fear that we have. We're not condemned. We don't live in fear of condemnation. We live in in the, the light and the knowledge that we have been redeemed. We have been called God's children. Therefore, we don't have to fear what's coming at the end. The Bible says that nothing can separate the believer from the love of God in Christ. God's love does not wax or wane. It is not a fickle emotional sensation. God's love for sinners is why Christ died on the cross. God's love for those who trust in Christ is why he holds them in his hand and promises never to let them go. The divine love should take away all of our fear. Jesus said, to the disciples before he went to heaven. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Paul, when he was talking to his young apprentice, Timothy, he said this to him. For this reason, I remind you to to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's what the Spirit of God has given to us. You don't have to live in fear. A spirit of fearfulness and timidity does not come from God. Sometimes the spirit of fear overcomes us And to overcome it, we need to trust in and love God more completely. Because the Bible tells us there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one whose fear is not made perfect. If as a child of God, we still fear God's punishment, we have not reached 
the point of maturity in love. To help us be complete in love, God has liberally sprinkled encouragement against fear throughout the Bible. God tells us not to be afraid, to be alone. Did you know that you can be alone and never be lonely? Because you have the Spirit of God with you. You are never alone. The Spirit of, I know some of you are going like, yeah, but sometimes it's just nice to have somebody with skin on hanging around. That's true. We are not to be afraid of being too weak. Because in our weakness, God's strength is made visible. We are not to be afraid of not being heard in our prayers. We are not to be afraid of being destitute of physical necessities. These admonitions cover many different aspects of the spirit of fear. The key to overcoming fear is total and complete trust in God. Trusting God is how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked into the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel, Daniel 3. Trusting God is how Stephen stood before his killers fearlessly in Acts chapter 7. To trust God is to refuse to give into fear. Even in the darkest of times, we can trust in God to make things right. This trust comes from knowing God and knowing that He is good. Once we have learned to put our trust in God, we will no longer be afraid of anything that comes against us. We will be like the psalmist and we will say with confidence, let all who take refuge in you, God, be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. I don't know what fear has a hold of you. I don't know what fear is the one that constantly comes back and reminds you that it is there. There are all kinds of fear. We have health issue fears. We have relational fears. We have fears of our finances not making it enough. We have a fear of losing our job. We have a fear of being alone. (coughs) Excuse me. And I don't know what it is that has you in bondage. But what I do know is this. God has promised to set us free from not only the shackles of sin, but also from the constraints of fear. God has made this promise to you as recorded in Isaiah 41 where he said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the promise God made for you. And if we have ever needed to know the promises of God, it's now. We live in a culture right now that is determined to bring and subdue Christianity, people who are people of faith, who walk with Christ. You can be a person of another faith, and you're okay in this country. But if you are a Christ follower, and you live for Jesus, and you make your life known for Jesus, I want you to hear these words. You are a marked person. You have a target on you in the shape of a cross. And because you at one point came and you, 
You said yes to Jesus because you stood and you gazed into the empty tomb. You said, God is real. He has risen from the grave and he has come and made my life complete. Because you have said that, our culture is out to get you. Don't think anything different. If you want to know what it looks like, just understand this. Read the end times. Read Revelations. All, all, Daniel, Ezekiel. Read those books. Because all of a sudden what's going to happen is you're going to get the picture that it's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. That's okay. Because we already said that God's going to be with us no matter what. But here's the, the greatest news is that Jesus knew that we were going to be facing difficulties, that we would have fears that would creep into our lives. He knew that those things were going to happen. He knew that there would be oppression against his disciples. He knew all of that. And when he left, these are the words that he gave his disciples that are a promise for us today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You see, here's what Jesus did. He, he's saying to his disciples, he's going, look, look, Linda, I have to go up to heaven. Some of you guys, who's Linda? One of the apostles. <laughs> look, Linda, I've got to go back to heaven because when I get to heaven, what's going to happen is I'm going to send to you the promised Holy Spirit, but he cannot come until I go. So it's better for you that I go so that he comes. Because when he comes, he will empower you. And that's what he does. And so when, when, when what we get is, is we get the Holy Spirit who will give us Jesus' peace. And Jesus is saying, when you have my peace from my Holy Spirit, you will know it. Because it will be different than anything you've ever experienced in your life before. Matter of fact, it's going to be less of an experience and more of an encounter with my spirit. And when you encounter my Holy Spirit, it will absolutely flip your world upside down and you will know that you are walking in peace with me because my, my heart is with you and your heart will not be troubled, nor do you need to be afraid. Our problem is that we know how to clutter our lives with with the stuff demands that we live <coughs> in fear. We collect junk. We collect things. We collect all kinds of ungodly things, things that don't make sense, things that really don't point other people to God. And what happens is we find ourselves consumed with the wrong things. We start to love the wrong things. We are start to be content with the wrong things. And the author of Hebrews Pend it this way. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, that is God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can, what can man do to me. So when it comes to our life and we seem to be out of control, and we're starting to feel a bit disconnected from God and the community of faith. We feel spiritually despondent. What we need to do is just simply remind ourselves, regardless of how I feel about God, 
God never changes his feelings about me. He loves me regardless of the state of condition of my heart. I can get no less of God's love and I can get no more of God's love. And and Paul has provided a very practical way of developing spiritually healthy thoughts from Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. I don't know what fear or anxious thoughts have gripped your life, but I do know that as we step into trusting Jesus, Jesus, as we encounter more of his love, as we see fear dispelled from our lives, we will no longer be gripped by fear. We will no longer be slaves to fear, but we will live victorious over fear because we are children of God. Again, John 4.18 says, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Here's Jesus' invitation for you today. He's saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and worn out by fear. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. Take my yoke upon you because it's easy. And I will provide rest for your soul. We all need rest from the fears of our life. We all need to know the rest that Jesus provides. His invitation is for you today. So here's what's going to happen. The worship team's going to come up. And we're going to lead you in some worship. And what I want you to do this morning is you know the fear that's in, that grips you. You know your default fear that you go to. So what I want you to do is I want you to, you can, if, if you don't have anybody to pray with, our elders are going to be up here to pray with you. But what I'd like you to do, because most of us are sitting together in, or in a vicinity of connectedness, people we're already connected with. So if you feel a need to pray, just turn to one of the people that's around you, someone you know, someone you love, and just say, will you pray with me about my fear? I am tired of being enslaved to my fear. If you don't have somebody to pray with or you'd rather have an elder pray with you, just make your way to the front. And by the way, you can be anointed with oil for God to heal you of your fears. He will do that. We have the oil here. It's available. Let God set you free today. Amen? Amen. Amen.